0: The idea really behind this then is to I'll kind of define what we mean by propositions. This is kind of what we're here to discuss. We'll keep this one really, really focused so that we can get something really good, hopefully for Angela um, to take away. But obviously this applies to all of you as well. Um, and if anybody's really got any ideas and sort of thinking from your own experience, no matter how small, I mean, this is the beauty of these things, you know, there's no right or wrong. Um, it's very, very flexible. If you spot something and we think, whoa, hold on a minute, Neil, that doesn't make sense. I want to know a bit more about that. Can you? just kind of redefine it, then just stop me I mean this is not um, this is not a a lecture or a webinar or anything like that it's just basically an informal kind of get together to talk about this idea of propositions so what I've done Angela if you don't mind is I've kind of added on the two words which are really really important you can call it sales or selling but it's a unique sales or selling proposition and the key here for all of this is the word unique okay so I want to kind of just really explore that Um, and as far as we can obviously we're not going to give any way um any trade secrets for you angela at all because obviously you know obviously i you know there's commercial sensitivities but did you want to kind of just let everybody know a little bit about kind of why we came up with this word proposition and thought oh actually it's better to do a deep dive on this you know with other people around just in case anyone else has got any ideas can yeah. you just give them kind of a little bit of background as to kind of why this was a bit of a challenge for you yeah
1: absolutely thank you everyone for joining this today i Um, I spoke to to Neil a couple of weeks ago, and um, I was lucky enough to have um, a full half an hour of his attention. So um, (laughs) he thought it'd be quite an interesting topic to bring up with with a wider group. So I work for a very small, there's only nine people in the firm, um, wealth management financial services firm, and I am the marketing BD person. And we have done what we have done as a firm for 25 years. And it's very simple and our proposition has worked and it continues to work. But due to the last couple of years, how people's um, lives have changed and their opinions are changing now on their um, looking forward to financial planning and planning for the future, retirement planning. Yeah, just just without us, you know, needing to change our own proposition, people are coming to us asking for a bit of an added service. So they still want to use us; they still like us. So, in terms of proposition, we have a proposition, and it works very well. It's tried and tested, and we continue to grow as a firm at the rate that we wish to do so. So we're kind of ticking all the boxes of our business objectives, our marketing objectives, but it's just now this. Thing <laughs> that I've got um, coming from our clients to say, hey, we would probably also like this from you, which is something that we can do. But I now have this challenge as the marketing person to say, okay, well, if there's this group of people that are after this service, perhaps I can tweak our already very good proposition and market it in a slightly different way. Um, but how do I communicate that without really changing our fundamental part of what our business is all about? So it's it's almost changing language um, to appeal to different people um, without losing the core uh, proposition that we already have as a firm. (laughs) <laughs> so,
0: yeah. <laughs> no small challenge there then. Okay. Um, so you you can you see why I thought best pause on this one and not kind of try and answer it there in the meeting. It was like, yeah, oh, yeah I need a bit of time to think about this. It, it is a tricky one. I mean, the interesting thing when, when you come on to sort of, um, you could call it unique marketing proposition, unique selling mm. proposition, it depends kind of what kind of business or organization you're in. Um, the, the whole idea about this thing about propositions, though, as Angela sort of correctly says, is that you know you're already. Talking about your organization. You're already describing it. So if somebody comes up to you, family friend or you know, somebody down the pub or whatever and says, who do you work for? And you say, and you say, right, what what does that mean? What what do they do? And you've then got that kind of that moment to share, hopefully, really, really clearly and succinctly, what it is you do and what the organization does and the value that it brings. Now, most of us then get really tongue-tied. You know, it's very, very hard to kind of really... Pinpoint accurately, say all the millions of things that you do as a business. And and as Angela describes it, it's like really, really difficult when you've actually already got something, but you know that things have moved on. So your customers are now looking for a little bit of extra different type of value from you. Or this might be, as Angela's describing it, like a wrapper that -hmm. goes around the core of what you offer. So the products and services And you might want to kind of differentiate yourself. So for me, this word unique is the key here. So a USP, unique selling proposition, or you could call it a UMP, unique marketing proposition. It's basically a sentence that explains what makes your company unique Okay, so it tells your target customers why they should do business with you instead of one of your competitors. Now, if you were, for example, in a not-for-profit or you're working for a um, local authority or something like that, you might say, well, we haven't really got competitors. But you have, because when it comes to marketing, you've got competitors for attention. So the, the biggest currency that we're all trading with is our customers' attention. And often that can just kind of completely mislead them or they're just not looking or they're just not interested. Interested. so if it's not a direct competitor you've still got competition okay so that's the kind of starting point point. and the idea um, of this really and here's my two sort of first little post-its which I popped in here we can add any in that we feel kind of quite useful so your USP so let's just call it that now um, should be unique concise honest and energizing Okay, so whatever it is, if you're going to describe in a, in a moment's notice, what your business does, or what your team does, or what you do, because you should have a USP as well. I mean, what's your USP? I and mean, I'm, I'm putting that out there generically, not asking you directly, Angela, there. But, you know, each of us should have a USP. What is the unique little piece of value that you're bringing to the world? an interesting one that's not one to answer possibly today now right here right now but think about it because you know you are unique as much as your organisation is unique so you need to figure out the value that you're bringing that's an interesting one to play with and of course then it should be unique and you know when people say oh we're a professional organisation yeah well everybody saying yeah. that <laughs> blah 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 everybody comes up with that so that's not good enough you've got to dive a bit deeper okay that's what this is about concise you've got to really be able to sum this up in a sentence or two, because otherwise then you start to kind of go off-piste, it starts to get a little bit woolly, and then the person next to you who still works in your organisation is going to answer something slightly different, and then you've got problems. Okay, so it's got to be really tight so everybody can get it, and everybody will say a consistent story. It's got to also be honest, and this is the big one, I want to explore this a little bit with Angela, because this is a really important one. When we talk about... Um, propositions now marketing messages and our strategies and stuff it's all about honesty authenticity being transparent the world is looking at you really critically now when I started in marketing back in the dark ages even before the internet it's true way 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 back it didn't matter what you said because everybody would believe you you had big marketing budgets you do advertising and everybody thought oh you know the next shiny thing wow that's clever Everybody is now so cynical, so critical. Nobody believes a word. So -hmm. you've got to be super honest and super authentic. So one of the things you might want to bring in is something like your higher purpose. So what is it that your organization brings to the world over and above products and services? So get away from thinking that your products and services are special because they're not. Mm -hmm. I can buy exactly what you're offering down the road, probably cheaper and probably at least as good a value as you're offering. This is just me playing devil's advocate and being really critical. But it's true, though, isn't it, Angela? I mean, you know this. You know We're all working in commodity environments now, so it's really hard. So you've got to start to trade on things that do genuinely, honestly, make you unique. So maybe it's your higher purpose as an organization. Kind of why do we actually exist? Why do we come together on a Monday morning virtually or in the office to do stuff? What is it that as a group of people, and it might be if you're working for a big organization, that's a big group of people, but why do you actually get together? And it isn't your products and services, it's something more, there's something intrinsic about the values that you have as an organization. So of course is things potentially like culture so could that make a difference could that be something that's different and the energizing bit to me is a really interesting one and this is something you've got to get energy into your usp if it's really boring we are the cheapest highest value most professional organization on the planet Just think of that, just, oh, it's just so dull. You see so many people who've got a vision like that, a a mission statement is so boring. So this has got to be energising, okay? It's got to be exciting for the people taking this on and kind of like reading it or hearing it. So they want to engage with you and then if you can figure this out and it is beautifully simple but at the same time it's beautifully complex if you can figure out what your usp is then you can turn it into what's called the elevator pitch so this is the bit where you're down the pub you've got two minutes to share what you do where you work or you're in an elevator literally going between floors and you've got somebody in there who looks like they might be a customer you happen to get chatting But you've only got the time between the doors shut in the elevator and then you get to that next floor. Can you pitch the value that your organization brings? That's the elevator pitch. So your USP and your elevator pitch kind of work hand in hand. And that's quite an interesting little thing to play with. So that's kind of really what we're talking about here. And that's kind of where we're starting. So unique, concise, honest, maybe hopefully energizing but something that you could be proud of. And that's kind of really where we're starting off with these USPs. And they typically follow... a a kind of a form, if you like, in terms of actually building these. So I put some little post-its on the screen here. These are kind of six building blocks really for things to consider as you're starting to build this message. Um, Now, if your organization has never done it before, obviously, Angela, you've done this before. So, you know, you've got stuff in the mix here that you've already got. So you're already talking about your organisation, but what you're trying to do is now kind of understand some of the, the real values that come in there. So the starting point would be a very, very clear definition of your target customers and what they're looking for. You know, the basics of marketing. You know, we're not talking rocket science here. We're talking the simple kind of fact of you've got to know who your target audience is. Now, you might be sitting there listening to this and thinking, well, yeah, obviously, And of course, we know who our target audience is, but with a USP, you might find it's USPs. Okay, so for a different target audience, it could be different. So the actual unique proposition that your target audience is taking away could be different based on person X over here or person Y over here, who they're both customers, but they've got a very different kind of translation of who you are as a business. So you might want version a of your usp and you might want version b so i don't think there's actually necessarily one usp and in fact there could almost be infinite usps because it's actually in the eye of the beholder it's actually not what you're saying it's what they're hearing Mm. so maybe there's something in that maybe there's something interesting in there that you could play with and of course it is what they're looking for now one of the things here that um, I'm going to kind of jump ahead of myself a little bit here with this first post-it, so we're still on this post-it one, um, is that actually what they're looking for is is a, how to describe this, they're not looking for features and benefits, okay, of what you provide. What they're looking for is an outcome okay so they're not looking for the outputs of what you do they're looking for an outcome they're looking for spending time with you considering what it is you've got to offer because you make a difference to their world in other words at the end of the transaction at the end of the communication at the end of reading or watching what it is you're sharing with them in your marketing advertising or sales their world is going to be better and different to what it was before they encountered you in other words, the outcome is what they're after. How does that you know, make them feel? Yeah,
1: how does, how does that, that make, make them feel? feel? It's, feel. What's in, yeah. it's,
0: it's what's in it for me. Absolutely. And, and I think a lot of people say, oh, our well, USP, is well, is we've got this product and it's brilliant and everybody's going to want to buy it. And the world just yawns and the tumbleweed just rolls by and it's as dull as you like. So what we're looking for here is kind of what is it that you could do or say or be or communicate openly, authentically, and honestly, and with energy, that would actually change your target customer's world? What would that look like? What would that feel like? Because this is a really subjective thing. They've got to get this thing really, really quickly. So how is their world going to be different as a result of working with you? okay because that could be a real hook it could be something really interesting in there second one is what makes your product or service unique this is always a tricky one and i've i've spent decades i kid you not decades of talking to companies Um, about their products and services and they're super proud of what they offer we've spent millions developing this product we love this product it is so much better than the competition and i sit there trying to stay awake drinking coffee to try and stay engaged with yet another boring story about products and services and features and benefits the world does not care It really doesn't. You're no different. You're nothing special. And when I play that back and do it in that really tired voice, they often look at me as like, hold on, we're paying you to advise and guide and just (laughs) turning it around and saying, that's what I'm doing, actually, because I'm being the customer. The customer Mm -hmm. really doesn't give two hours about what you're saying. Oh, we spent all this money and we're so proud of what we do. Yeah, because it's all about you. Mm. So what makes your product or service unique probably is – The people behind the product or service, okay, because your product or service probably in two months, six months, 12 months can be replicated. One of your competitors is going to come up with exactly what you do. And then you're stuffed because you've then no longer got a unique selling proposition. You've got a selling proposition, but it's no longer unique. And that will happen. You might be, I mean, I know, Angela, you're not, but you might be in an industry that um, you get kind of a little bit of lead time uh, before anybody else can can develop it. So pharmaceuticals, great example. You can protect your USP because of licensing for a set period of time. So you know you've got that USP for a while in your products. Most of us haven't got that. We can be replicated almost instantly. So there's a problem there. But the one thing that we have got, which is different, is the people who actually are behind the story of the product or service, and that can be unique. And most of us don't share the value of the people behind the product or service. So the developer or the person who had the innovative idea or uh, somebody who actually is gonna be doing that unique service, it's the person behind the service that's the unique element, not the service itself. So who are the people in the team? Who are the people that would resonate with the customer that you're targeting? Because there might be something in there about that that you can weave into the story. Uh, Next bit was the benefits. Um, What benefits will you highlight to your customers? And also, can you prove it? Okay, so this whole benefits thing being the outcome that is different. Can you prove it? because none of us actually believe the marketing and sales messages that we see in here. We're all so, so savvy now. And we've got at our you know, fingertips, we've got all the answers. We've got all the alternatives. We can go search elsewhere. and We can prove that actually you're not who you say you are. But if we can prove it by great testimonials and case studies and that kind of thing, is there something in there where somebody can actually see very, very clearly that they're not the first person to experience the value that you're promising. Somebody else just like them, and that's the key here. Somebody else just like them has already been there and enjoyed it, and is already continuing to benefit. So that's why things like Trust Pilot and um, you know all these kinds of. Um, you know, Google reviews and the, and the like these are why these are so powerful because it just shows that somebody like you has been there before and particularly in travel um, if you go to something like say booking.com and you look at the reviews you can actually specify somebody by their criteria you can filter down the reviews to somebody just like you in terms of you know kind of your profile and so you see their reviews and it gives you that level of confidence that yeah I'd I'd go to this particular place or I'd buy from this particular business because there's that Feeling of security behind it, and that's a, you know, kind of almost preempting that lovely outcome that you're facilitating. So can you prove what it is you're saying? What evidence have you got within this USP? And maybe you have to weave that into the uh, the elevator pitch because it actually is a little bit of a longer story, but it's a key kind of building block in here. Next one, fourth point here is making your USP clear, concise, and to the point. So if I was to describe my USP, um, I, I guess kind of I'm woven into the USP because it actually my personal USP is about me, and I help people to communicate more effectively with their customers, with their peers, and with themselves, and within themselves. And my USP is that because there's a lot of people who do what I do, they help you to be a better marketer and I hopefully help people to be better marketers. But I also do the thing that actually helps people to communicate more effectively internally as well. So to understand who they are as a marketer, as much as the marketing that they do. So I've got that little hook, which is a lot about the kind of mindfulness side of things and understanding your own kind of uh, motivations and how you're kind of driven as a person or as as a business professional and actually using that as part of your marketing toolkit. So there's a little kind of thing there, which for me is pretty clear and pretty concise and to the point. So I help you as a marketer to be a better marketer, but also to develop yourself as a person something a little different in there. And that tends to be quite an interesting thing because then people think, oh, hold on, that's different. So it is all about me as a marketer, properly all about me. Hmm, Now I'm listening, tell me more. And that's all I need is that little hook to then be able to share the podcasts and the blogs and these kinds of sessions to kind of help people along. So it is about thinking about, can you get this really concise and to the point? What is that little kind of golden nugget that you want to include? And then, how and where are you going to share it? Because, as Angela says, you know, it's it's kind of about figuring out what kind of channels can we use this within? And I would say, almost certainly, and I kind of hinted at this right at the very, very start the first channel has to be an internal audience. Okay, it's about making sure this really resonates internally because there's no point in taking out your lovely, glamorous, glorious USP to the world until you've actually all bought into it. Because all you do then is you're just fostering more confusion in the marketplace, because what you need to make sure is that the things you say as a marketer, the business developer, I know, Angela, you're both, but, you know, kind of if you've got a sales team behind you, you know, that they are all buying into this, not just saying it and paying lip service to it, but they've all bought into it. And they're actually using this as a real positive tool. their communications too and so by testing it out with an internal audience making sure that everybody buys into this when you're selling this upwards to the senior management you're selling this downwards if you've got people who report to you you're selling this sideways if you've got colleagues or if you're using anybody else kind of um, outside of your organization who are partners so it could be you use an agency or it could be you've got suppliers or partners or people you work with to do what it is you do They've all got to buy into this as well, because if they don't get it, it's back to the drawing board and refine it. So do this collaboratively. Probably this is never going to be an activity that you're going to be able to do honestly in isolation. I mean, I can do it in isolation because it's just me and my proposition, but I do bounce it off of people. I watch for reactions when people get it or they don't get it. And I'm always then seeing if I can kind of fine tune it. I played it to a very, very different audience on Monday evening this week, I spoke at an event which was slightly off piste, it wasn't marketers. Um, It was a whole big, big room full of holistic therapists. And I thought, right, I'm gonna go for this. I'm gonna say it in the way I normally say it. And I watched like a hawk, the reactions. And I'd say about half the room got it and half the room didn't. So I had some interesting conversations afterwards with those who didn't get it to, to find out and understand why. So part of your USP is constantly fine tuning it and understanding that what is right as a USP today is not going to be the same tomorrow. It's going to change. You've got to constantly be revisiting it and revising it and constantly be listening to how the market takes it on.
1: Mm. And have the answers in your back pocket as well for it. You know, I was at an event yesterday um, and it's exactly that. When you're Um, I mean, it was a network event and there was professional people um, and, you know, the kind of people that we want to talk to as a business development point of view, because, you know, we get a lot of our business and new customers referred to us. So, you know, I have to change my selling pitch almost from an accountant to a solicitor to, um, you know, a business coach possibly um, and just tweak it slightly to the audience that you're talking to
0: hmm it's interesting then so I think what we're definitely sort of figuring out here is this little s at the end of propositions it it is plural I I think there might be like almost this sort of master one which is the one that you know is your kind of default position but I think what we're talking about here is tuning that kind of that strap line or that kind of almost a mindset because the way you've described it there Angela is that It's as much a set of words as it is actually a mindset of kind of retuning in to the person you're about to speak to on on terms that kind of resonate with them. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Actually, I think you've just fired up something quite interesting there because it is a mindset, isn't it? Because this is okay. You can say we've got a USP. It's great. Look at all these lovely words. But unless it's something you can actually convey and talk about, it's not worth the paper it's written on. Or the no. screen that it's printed on. It is a mindset, isn't it, as much as anything?
1: Yeah, you've got to picture somebody that they might have in their yeah repertoire of clients and think, okay, well, how is the service that we offer going to benefit them and their clients, and how can they talk to their clients about us as an added service that we're going to bring to them in order for them to be able to refer us to them?
0: <laughs> mm. So it's making their life easier in that regard, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And trying to get them to kind of buy into that mindset, that kind of, that unique value that you bring based on the change in sort of outcome for the for the end user or the end customer. See, this it's, it's so simple. I mean, when you say it like that, it's just like, well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But then you try and do it. That's the hard bit, isn't it? is because actually then translating the theory here into actual practice is the really tricky bit. I mean, when I said about the people side of things as being for you, Angela, um, you know, potentially a, because, you know, you're a service based business. So a lot of this is about relationships. Mm. How much of the the people element do you think is part of the the USP that all the, you know, the propositions that you kind of work with?
1: Yes, it is. You're absolutely right, because we don't have a product that's bigger or better than anybody else's. Um, it's all about our approach as a firm, as a financial services firm, because what we offer is um, financial services. And like you say, we are we, we, we give the same thing that another financial or independent financial advisor would give. Um, but... the the usps that we have um, within our firm are the the approach that we give and the type of people that we work with so again you know we wouldn't be suited to every single person that wanted financial advice out there you know we have our atypical type of client that likes us and we like them because it's a lifetime's worth of um service that we're going to give to them we're talking about what they're going to do when they finish work So it's not just setting up a mortgage, having a house and then selling it on five years later and probably going with somebody else. It's from the age of about probably 40, 45, setting up their pension, nurturing that, looking after them and making sure they have a nice life when they do finish work and then beyond. So, yeah, it's it's really it's all about the people. It's all about the relationships. It's all about our approach. Um, And for us as a firm as well is being fair to the client and saying, no sometimes um and yes sometimes because we know that it's a lifetime's worth of relationship so we want to make sure that we're working with the right type of people that they don't waste their time they join us and then they leave um so yeah we we, we do have propositions because um there's t- d- different type of people that we do work with but um yeah it is all about the people definitely
0: mm. <laughs> I'm seeing and kind of feeling just the way you describe it there I'm almost in my mind's eye I'm kind of seeing a almost like an overarching one that is for the firm almost to kind of just keep a sort of a consistency maybe that kind of reflects the culture like you say you're not a huge business but there is still when you have a collection of people there is a natural kind of culture that kind of exists it's either top down or it's collaborative or whatever it is so it's almost like you have this overarching kind of proposition for each of you that kind of you can all share and buy into and then for me in my mind's eye I've got these kind of streams then coming sort of you know Falling off of that and kind of hanging on to that overarching one, which are very, very target audience specific. Yes. And it feels to me like underneath it, it's almost like there's a level two USP that is actually very, very much, as you say, for the accountant, for the coach, for the financial advisor, for the lawyer.
1: Yeah.
0: It's kind of almost that they have their own version of it mm. and it's very kind of discipline specific so it's almost then you kind of almost like semi reinvent yourselves based on who you're talking to with with the yeah. very clear persona in mind so each one of those has a you know a very very clear yeah kind of sort of face of that particular sector if you like or face of that particular customer and then from that it feels like there would be Yeah, a lot more kind of clarity over the kind of tone of voice doesn't feel like you'd be reinventing the propositions that much feels more like it's a sort of a tone of voice, maybe some of the terminology that's used could be just enough. So you're kind of almost translating the same thing across a number of different target customers, basically. Does does that kind of make sense? I mean, yes, do you see it, it that way, or do you, do you do you do you see it more as no? But we need one. We need one USP that is going to sort of crack no, everything. no,
1: not at all, not at all. You know, we, we know that um, within the firm we're all different people, but we, like you say, we all have this the same values, and um, you know, we all kind of work under the same sort of culture, and that's why um, the company is of the age that it is, and everybody works very well together. But when it goes out to finding new business and selling your proposition and finding new clients, is you're absolutely right. You just change your narrative, just change language very slightly to reflect the type of person that you're talking to and the type of client that that person might have. Um,
0: Mm.
1: So yes, but yeah, like you say, it is an overarching. That is what we do. That's fundamentally what we do. But I'm talking to this person who might they be needing to help okay well this is what I know that we can do for them this is what I know I can do for that type of person um but yeah fundamentally it's the same thing but
0: it, it is. And I, I wonder, actually, again, just building on this whole idea of, you know, people is the unique element, and it is very specifically for you uh, and, and your team, because, you know, of what you do and the size of the organisation might be slightly different in a much larger organisation. I know uh, Jake and, and, and Daniel work in a you know, very, very, well, similar kind of industry, but a very different kind of scale of, of organisation. and. You know, I think maybe there's an opportunity here almost to have like a face sort of somebody literally physically who is in the organization who kind of represents each of those streams yeah. or threads, if you like, that hang down for each of the sectors. So if you have, for example, your lawyer to target customer, they have their translated version of the USP, but also maybe as part of that, they have a face who they can identify with from within the organisation. It's so almost so that they can see that it's, it's called the mirror effect and it's a you know psychological technique that's been used in marketing for, for, well, centuries, where you actually replace somebody who looks and sounds and feels actually like the person you're targeting. And if you have somebody in the organisation who kind of represents that, so if we're talking about a lawyer there, it's a rhetorical question, you don't have to answer this, but do you have somebody who would really resonate with the lawyers could they be the face of that proposition that comes out there so that when this particular lawyer customer sees or lawyer partner here in your case kind of sees you know this particular person in the communications in the marketing materials or whatever they think oh this is a business just like me Mm. i would resonate with this because of that mirror effect they see themselves within the proposition Because if we're looking here at outcomes and making life better and seeing a great outcome, what's nicer than actually seeing yourself in those marketing materials or hearing yourself in those stories? So if there's somebody within the organization who reflects that back to the customer, that's a potentially a really strong thing. And and that can't be replicated because you've got a unique person there. So to me, replaying the physical people you have in your team or in your business, or in the wider group, could be a really interesting thing to play with There, i mean if if you were to test that and play with that what i'd always recommend is begin with one you know don't try and do it for every single proposition type or every different target customer choose one not necessarily the highest priority one because if this doesn't work you don't want to mess about with this so maybe just choose one that you know quite well might not be the most you know might not be the biggest ticket um, priority customer but it's a segment or a sector you know quite well it's a target audience you profile so you've got that clear persona definition you've identified somebody in the business who potentially could be the face of the organization using that kind of translated and quite distinct proposition or usp and play with it see what happens see if they do resonate more effectively with that person mm. could be an interesting little game to play
1: interesting yeah thank you
0: Yeah, and I think certainly people within the USP, it's it's one of those things. And then, of course, you can always then get the challenge, yeah, but what if that person leaves? Of course, that is always a risk. So it might be that you have to think very carefully over who that's going to be. Um, Another challenge which I've had in the past is, okay, well, could we use almost like an avatar of a person? So actually get some stock library images of somebody who looks like this person, but actually not. It's not a real person within the organization. Well, you could. But remember this thing about authenticity and honesty and truth feels a little bit fake. So maybe that is something that you wouldn't do now but it's certainly worth exploring, I think.
1: Yeah. No, thank you. And it's almost like using a case study if you were to go from, um, you know, straight from B to C. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to be marketing our proposition to a typical type of person that I know is of a certain age in a certain area, um, in a certain sector. And, you know, we've helped abc firm do exactly what xyz firm have got over here so you use your kind of case Mm. say you know we helped company of a certain age area with a certain
0: yeah yeah and i think there's a really interesting i think what you're creating here um i think this is, you know, to me, very, very clear. It's almost it's like a hierarchy. So just saying we've got our USP, there it is, right, our world is now solved, I think it's probably not never, ever going to happen for anybody, really. But I think what you're doing is you're saying that there's an overarching one that we all buy into. There's then a sector or customer-specific one underpinned, as you've quite rightly said there, with case studies and examples as the evidence that kind of supports proposition because otherwise it can be oh you're just doing some marketing you're just trying to look and sound like me because i'm the customer and you're just trying to identify with me and make it sound Mm. like you're way more relevant but if you can then underpin it with yeah that is what we're doing but look at these great examples under here to show and demonstrate that actually it's real this thing is real that we're talking about that would give a real level of confidence and tangibility i think to, to the whole idea So I think there's a hierarchy, that's a really good point, actually, I've not thought of it like that, but I think there's a hierarchy here, the overarching strapline USP that applies to the whole firm, the whole business, the unique selling proposition for the sector, and then underpinned with that high value stuff, that is the evidence, really, case studies, testimonials, good examples, you know, references, recommendations, advocacy, all of that stuff that we know is, you know, really, really important to us. Yeah, so, so it's hierarchy, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's always interesting when we start talking about this stuff rather than just following the textbook because there's no way I would have at the start of this have thought we were going to end up with that. <laughs> so it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. thank you for, for, for bringing that along. Was there anything else in terms of just kind of structuring the thinking? I mean, obviously, now you know, you're the one who's got to go away and do all the hard work. So you're the one who's got to kind of still figure this out. But is there anything else in there that's kind of sort of missing for you? If we kind of say, right, there's a structure overarching target focus on each individual sector customer, and then underpinned with the evidence? Is there more in there that you would need is there more you think you might need to think about to be able to get to the heart of this
1: no I don't think so because in the time that we've spent from two weeks ago to today um I did actually do some market research as well so I um, I actually approached some potential firms that or and business people and and funny enough it was from events that I'd been to um and they just talked talked about themselves and their business and I thought oh do you know what that kind of sits in with something that we could help them with and following listening to their presentation I um I got in touch with them and said oh from what you said would you consider something like this and I found a bit of a gap in the market as well so yeah hopefully Mm -hmm. that's also underpinned what I think our proposition is going to be able to help people using the right language in the right way to the right people. So I'm quite confident about it now. Not that it was more than about five people, but it it was still from five people, I got the same result. So I'm happy with that.
0: (laughs) Mm, There's a clarity there, a natural clarity then, isn't there? Yeah, Yeah, it is about confidence. Yeah. I mean, it's that thing that we we said right at the start, really, about this. You know, this is an ongoing thing. It isn't something that you just do once and you've cracked it. So I think the fact that that's a really nice point that you make, Angela, because it's it's almost like go out and do your research, find out what it is you're saying at the moment, come in and see if you can make some improvements, begin to customise it for each of your target personas, and then go out again and listen. And it's almost like keep going round in that loop. I mean, most of marketing isn't linear. It's all... It's all a big loop and it's all a big cycle. We just keep going around the same cycle, continuously improving. I mean, a lot of people don't, but that's actually how the textbook says we should be doing it. Um, and so I think, yeah, so it's a really good point. So I think, you know, for, for the rest of you, um, and obviously anybody watching or listening to this on catch up. Um, I think that that is the key thing that Angela makes is that you've got to start by kind of understanding where you are right now. You can't just make this thing up from thin air. So go and find out, you know, what do your customers actually view you as and like right now? See if you can break that down. If you've got a chance to do lots of research, that's great. But even asking four or five people is going to give you a flavor of kind of yeah. where you are. Look at the overarching thing, break that down into customer specific based on each of the personas that you've identified probably already in your marketing and then tune the message and and do that on an ongoing basis and underpin all of it with the evidence that you've got because that is key. So thank you very much, Angela, for mentioning that bit because I'd completely forgotten about underpinning it with evidence. So that's (laughs) really helpful. (laughs) So that's great. So, any other observations? I'm just conscious and aware of the time. Now no, we're to I'm, keep these I'm short and punchy.
1: That's, No, that's been brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, much appreciated.